The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 327 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is home training for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, often shortened to FASD, is the name for several types of physical, brain and nervous system disorders which may occur in an unborn child when the mother drinks alcohol even in small amounts during any stage of pregnancy, and even before the woman knows she's pregnant. And it may also be caused by or involve other causes as well. Now, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders last a lifetime. They have no cure, though some medications and behavior therapy may help, but there's no one treatment that's right for every child. The most serious type of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is fetal alcohol syndrome, which may result even in the death of the unborn child. Uh, It results in growth defects of brain, bone, face, and some organs. And it results in challenges for learning and remembering, understanding and following directions, controlling emotions, communicating and socializing, feeding and bathing, and other skills of daily life, and generally coordinating actions. Now, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders cause severe challenges for family caregivers, which is why our topic, home training for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, is so important. To discuss this topic, our guest is Jeff Noble. Now, Jeff is the founder and CEO of Noble Initiatives 2014. This is an organization that provides hope and education to people caring for someone with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. He uses online applications and in-person training sessions, demonstrations, and consultations. He's a helper, a leader, and an innovator. His focus is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, FASD. But his expertise is building community through social media. Using an interactive yet personal approach, he delivers relevant, useful, and need-to-know information to help and support frontline workers, educators, and family caregivers as the, of those living with FASD. He's also the author of an e-book, titled Making Sense of the Madness, 
an FASD survival guide. This is 65 pages of everything he's learned about FASD, in which he shares his stories and anecdotes that helped him, and these are his words, stay sane while he was a foster parent to a young boy with FASD. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Oh, thanks for having me, Doctor. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Now, let's get started on you with the questions. Yep. Please tell us more about your career and your own life with attention deficit hyperactive hyperactivity disorder. Please tell us more about you, in other words. Jeff? Uh, sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Go ahead. Okay. Um, no, I'm just joking. That was ADHD, right? I'm just kidding, doctor. It's just a joke. Okay, listen. So it's, you know, living with uh, ADHD has actually just has helped me. And getting a diagnosis, at an, I was a little bit older. I was in, like, my mid-20s when I got, I got a diagnosis. And it was just a really big relief. And the relief was that, you know, I, I wasn't the problem, that I actually I just had a problem. And it was something that I couldn't control. And there's tons of other people with it and tons of people that are successful with it. So I just had to find out what they were doing and uh, replicate it. And so far, so good. It's, it's, uh, it's been more a blessing than anything else, especially being uh, associated with uh, fetal alcohol. Right. Jeff, next question. Please tell us about your becoming a foster parent of a young man, or was it a boy, I'm not sure, with a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and how becoming a foster parent changed your life. Jeff? Yeah, no problem. Well, I became a foster parent. Uh, well, I'll just backtrack just a little bit. Um, I had no former tr uh, training in in FASD, nothing. I had, I just received my high school, and I was good with that. But what happened was my girlfriend at the time, she was taking a, her BSW, her Bachelor of Social Work, and she was working part-time for this agency. And so while she was working for this agency, she used to come home and tell me stories. She would say, Jeff, you know, uh, I, I, the people I work with, you know, they look normal, they talk normal, but they act so disabled. And she would tell me all these stories, and, uh, you know, it was incredible. Um, and she said, you know, the kids are living with fetal alcohol. And she tried to describe it, couldn't really understand it, and didn't really understand. I've heard of fetal alcohol before, but really didn't, really didn't get it. So uh, I was in sales at the time, if you couldn't tell. And I wanted to do something else. And she suggested, hey, you know what, Jeff, why don't you try try this? So I went there. I got a, a job. Here I am thinking it's because I'm awesome. Right, doctor? Like, you know, I'm really good. But it turns out just the turnover is so high to care for these the, these kids that, you know, they just they needed some, some warm bodies, as they say. So I, I, I started out by just uh, being like a normal uh, worker, and I went in, and I would be part-time and then full-time and eventually worked my way up until I worked with this young man from Monday to Friday, and I got to go home every weekend. The problem is we were up north, and it wasn't really working out with the amount of services that he needed in order to, to do well. So we had to move him back here into the city. And in order to do that, I had to become a foster parent full-time. And so I was just working uh, nine, like Monday to Friday, 24 hours a day, though, but I still got to go home. And then I became a foster parent, and how it changed my life was at the end of the week, I didn't get to go home. 
So, you know, there was no break. And as the honeymoon period faded away, I really got this sense of how how hard this was going to be. And so it changed my life and not only uh, um, showing me what fetal alcohol is and just the devastating effects of it and what people have to live with on a daily basis. And so I will not, nor I don't look at people the same way, and I don't look at situations the same way uh, in the least bit anymore. Uh, And so it's really affected my life. And it's actually, this is now, this is the reason why I do what I do for a living. In other words, it's affected your life by giving you some experience and understanding, which you're now using to give help to others in what I'll call the FASD caring situation. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, I I got some pretty good uh, um, training as well. Uh, The the agency I was with, uh, they were a private agency, and 90% of their clients were fetal alcohol. And so as I started to take more and more trainings, I then would go back and use them them in my house with my foster kid, and I started to see uh, some results. So once it started working here, and then I got to be the uh, fetal alcohol, coordinator for the whole agency and then it started working over and over and over and then you know that's when we jumped to the online portion and we found out that you know this information is also helping folks out there too right now you've got a slogan which i've read several times in various places it's on your website and i heard you say it and your slogan is fasd is forever frustration is not please explain that to us jeff yeah that's a that's a good question um you know we wanted to come up obviously with something meaningful whenever you're doing a tagline for for a website uh but we felt this was a good one because it's the 100 percent true you the the type of injury uh that fetal alcohol is this is caused by at birth you know it's not getting better this is a neurodevelopmental disability. Neuro means brain, developmental means through the lifespan. So they are going to be affected at five, uh, the same at 50. Like they, if they have memory problems, it's going to happen their whole life. You know, if they have executive functioning issues, uh, the only difference is that to the degree to which the, the damage manifests itself because of their environment. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, now, what about the word frustration? Please expand oh, well, on you know, that. This is the hardest job in the world. So, you know, FASD is forever. So it is through the lifespan. Frustration is, is not because once you understand it and kind of make this paradigm shift and understand that this is an organic brain damage because we don't think brain first. We, we just don't, right? We think uh, we label behaviors and think people have control and don't really realize that the, that the brain is in control of everything. So once, you know, we were able to teach people that to make that paradigm shift that these kids aren't misbehaving, you know, they're actually hurt. Uh, and, and these symptoms and the extreme behaviors are a byproduct of, uh, you know, of the brain damage. So once we can teach people that, you know, people are less frustrated because caregivers don't feel that, that they don't take it as personal anymore. That's a very, very powerful message, Jeff, because what it's saying, in other words, is... This is a condition inside the head, the brain, the body of the young person, the child, 
the adult. Um, and it's something that the young person, the child, the adult has no control over because that's the way it is. So we, family caregivers, whoever, you, Jeff, mm-hmm. have to accept what happens, do what you can to help to reduce the challenges, but at the same time, not allow yourself to become frustrated because that is unhelpful to you in the way that you're caring. Now, that's a bit of a lecture I've just given you. Have I understood you correctly? Yes, a little bit. With with the, the knowledge that I gave you, sure. The problem becomes, doctor, the problem is, is that majority of these kids look normal and I mean that by they have no facial features and you know and they can talk their expressive language either meets or exceeds their chronological age so they sound way more capable than they are so what we end up doing as caregivers is and in society in general we take uh, people with this disability we take them at face value when in fact we should be really taking them at brain value but we see the face and we hear what they're saying, but because they're, they aren't able to follow through uh, or they have a, t- a tough time because of impulses or not understanding uh, time, money, hygiene, all these other stuff, they aren't able to meet the expectations of family, friends, and society. So they often, people often get super frustrated with them. So that's, so, but as a caregiver, that messes with you because they're not, it's not like they're uh, sometimes they can meet or exceed expectations. So they have an amazing day. And then the next day, you know, they can't even tie their shoes and they're telling you, uh, you know, they're telling you where to go. So that's why it's hard on caregivers. And that's why, you know, we, we, we came up with the training and the website and the Facebook and all this stuff. Cause it's the constant reminders. You could know, but you need to be reminded because it, it can catch you. And unless you've lived with it or worked with it so much to see it often, uh, you, you can forget right away. And even caregivers who have all the knowledge still forget. And there's, you know, there's other grief issues and stuff that go along with it. But that's the long and the short of it, my friend. Very clear. Now, it's time for the break. As I always say, this is where we have to pay the rent. So we'll do no that problem. now. <laughs> this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Jeff Noble. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Empowerment Channels. Um, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. 
Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Adoption changes a family forever. For the adopters as well as the adoptees, there are many adjustments that need to be made from lifestyle to financial, and the personal rewards are unlimited. Listen every week for Your Adoption Coach with Kelly Ellison. We will examine in detail such topics as international and domestic adoption. We will talk with adoption professionals and hear stories about real families adopting. If you've been thinking about adoption or recently began the process, you'll want to tune in to be inspired every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jeff Noble. Our topic is home training for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Jeff, now let's talk about the challenges that fetal alcohol spectrum disorders create for family caregivers. Now, first, what do you think are the most challenging of the challenges experienced by family caregivers when they're caring for family members who are very young children, obviously with FASD? Jeff? Okay, well, that's that's a good question, and there's a it's different stages. Different things happen at different stages. And usually, at the younger stage, even like at infants, right? You'll they'll get uh, they'll be labeled as failure to thrive, uh, a lot of premature births. But you know, when they're when they're young, depends on what age you're talking about. Um, oftentimes, you know, they're at par. And so people can't really tell unless they're super fussy, unless, you know, there's some extreme behaviors happening, you know, right, right away. Uh, but most of the time, to be honest with you, with the young, with the young kids, the gap isn't that, isn't as big yet. And if you can tell, you know, what they say is if the file weighs more than the kid does, it's probably FAS, right? So uh, a lot of times there's, um, you know, there maybe could be some attention issues. There may be, you can start to see the onset of some sensory stuff. Uh, you know, if they're grabbing or biting, you can, you can tell that the, you know, cause not only is it the, the brain, but it's the central nervous system as well. So you'll get little indicators, little clues, you know, if they can't settle, if they can't calm, um, you know, there's indicators like that. But the, the, the challenges are that then nothing works, right? Mom and dad's old bag of tricks don't seem to calm the parent. Nobody can get everybody's up at night. Nobody can get some sleep. Parents are starting to, you know, feel like failures, especially if they're new or especially if they're, you know, new foster parents, new adoptive parents. Uh, so, yeah, I could go on and on, but that's, that's, that's the small and short of that. When you say young children, just give me an age range that you've just been talking about. 
Well, that's like newborn, and then uh, you know you can go uh, you can go all the way to uh, like three or four, like when you get into toddlers, and and now you're going to see memory is going to be a problem for them. Uh, you know they they'll have remember they'll have trouble remembering instructions. Uh, even they have a until the age of seven. You know they have a problem with generating self strategy, and I mean let me back up after neurotypical kids develop generating self-strategy at, at seven and after, but kids with fetal alcohol, they, they just can't, right? It's the internal condition that, that, that they have such a hard time with, right? And as, you know, and, and as expectations grow and as they grow, uh, they're not able to meet those expectations. And so that's when the mismatch starts to happen, right? At a young young age, you know, one of the primary characteristics of uh, fetal alcohol is dismaturity, which is different from immaturity. You know, immaturity uh, means like whenever I was immature. And so, but when my mom said Jeffrey James Noble, and she said it in a certain way, I bucked up and I sat up and I paid attention. This maturity is different, and what we're finding is, and what they know with kids with fetal alcohol is that they're actually half their chronological age on the inside. So as they're younger kids, you know, the gap isn't really widening. So, uh, you know, there's, you know, people really can't tell until a little bit later. Right, got it. Now, next question is, same thing about challenges for the family caregivers with a family member, but let's talk about family members who are teenagers with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. What are those oh, yeah. challenges? Wow, geez, that's where the big jump is, and honestly, that's that's where uh, a lot of the problems happen. It's from that kindergarten, it's from that uh, elementary phase into that into high school. Now think about it when you're when you're an adolescent, uh, the expectations jump exponentially. You're supposed to now becoming a, a, a an adult, right? And you're supposed to be able to do a lot of things efficiently. You know, we're expecting you, you know, be able to do your do your homework, uh, get up on time for school, get to school on time, pay attention. You know, there's a lot to do. But if we start looking at going back to dismaturity, and now you have this 14 year old kid who's really on the inside is seven years old. And so now he's in high school, and a lot of times is you know now the the memory problems is also a math problem, and now a lot a lot a lot of things become more abstract, which is a primary characteristic too. So it's not concrete, it's not hands on, it's paraphrasing, it's it's thinking about different concepts, and you know the internal condition is what they have trouble with and you know since they're developmentally younger they don't get along with their peers they have a hard time making friends they can't understand body language and so because they have a hard time with uh you know with time and money they get in trouble often and they can't read you know um and then what happens is you know as they get older uh, the, the development of secondary characteristics and that's when you get the those are defensive behaviors and so eventually we like we drive them crazy we ask them to do things they can't do developmentally with their brain, uh, but because they look normal and they act normal, uh, I mean, they talk normal, we expect normal out of them, and they can't deliver that, especially not on a consistent basis and especially not with help. So it just becomes too challenging and the gap widens. Right. Now, I'm going to ask you it's the same question yet again, but now I want you to answer it in respect of family members who are adults, that is young adults, they've just moved into adulthood, 
What are the challenges that are created now for family caregivers? Jeff? Oh, yeah, no problem. So say an 18-year-old or say a 20-year-old, let's say new adult, 20 years old. Again, this maturity, uh, 10, years old on the, 10 years old on the inside. Now what are we asking a 20 year, uh, an adult to do at 20 years old? Uh, get a job or go to school full time, uh, you know, be able to navigate their way through social situations. You know, what are they working on getting a car, knowing what they want to do in the future? Like that's uh, what a 20 year old. But now if you, you know, you look at someone with fetal alcohol who has a, has a problem with time. And so what does that mean? That means like any chance of getting to work and uh, keeping a job is, is extremely difficult. Uh, you know, one of the primary characteristics are, um, is they have a problem with time and they have a problem with money. So oftentimes, you know, they're getting in trouble because they can't handle the money right or they're impulsive and they're taking the money. And so we, we, we set them up that way. And then because they've been failing for so long, drugs and alcohol, uh, promiscuity, you know, uh, that, that all jumps in. And then suicide and, and, and just being on the street, uh, that's, that's exactly where it goes. And it goes right into, it goes right into adulthood because if it's not identified, because look, we're, we're assuming that these kids are doing this on purpose. We're, 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 you know, we're looking at the face, not the brain. And because once in a while they can do things, we end up holding against them for the rest of their lives. Because we'll say, well, you could do that yesterday. Well, if we understood and we knew what diffuse brain damage was, we know that that's spotty. So that is very inconsistent. And so they can't be so consistent day after day. And then finally they say, screw it. And they go out into the street because you know uh, gangs, gangs, uh, gangs aren't asking about their their academic comprehension. They're 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 just happy that people with fetal alcohol are vulnerable. So oftentimes they get in trouble with the justice system, uh, but they they're not the one planning the crime. They're the ones standing holding the gun because everyone ran away and and they don't know what to do. So they're marginalized. They're victimized. And that's and I'm not trying to, you know, be a downer. But if we don't identify and if the proper supports are in place and we make them feel this bad, they they eventually just quit. And when they quit, Jeff, that what actually happens? Well, they're tired of trying. <laughs> if you if doctor, if someone kept asking you to do things day after day after day after day that you just couldn't. And every time you got up, you were going to get in trouble. Uh, you were going to get frustrated. Uh, nobody understood you. You didn't understand other people. You know, you have sensory issues, so the lights can be too bright. You don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, and so that's a problem. I learned from Diane Melvin. She said everybody has three needs to be heard, to matter, and to make sense to oneself. So if you don't make sense to yourself, you know, if you don't like what is what is going on here, you feel like you're the problem. And, you know, and then that's when mental health kicks in, too. Uh, you know, we we see that mental health issues are even in young ages, six, six years old, because people are just so angry, so frustrated. No wonder they develop all these secondary disabilities like the anxiety and the depression because they don't we misunderstand them and they misunderstand us and we take them at their at their face value and we definitely need to be taking people at brain value and is it also true or not that they themselves are not able to explain 
um, to the people who are looking after them. What yeah, that, they, yeah, the that, kids, that requires insight for sure. They can't yes. express their emotions. They, you know, uh, because because that part of the brain is is one of the parts that doesn't work very well. So they're going to tell you that something's wrong. And you're going to know something's wrong, but it's going to be it's going to come out in a totally different way. It's going to be you know they're going to get upset, they'll get angry, and you know this. My guy used to always say, "This is dumb, that's dumb." You know, I suck, you suck, everybody sucks, right? Like you'd get, but it could be you know he could say, you know, why do I have to do this? And he could be mad about something totally that happened two days ago, or you know he could get overstimulated in the crowd and then start to look like he's copying an attitude, like we'd be. You you know, at a fair or something, and he'd start getting upset. And you know, to to if we didn't know that it's because his brain was overwhelmed, and, and we would assume that he's just being a baby and to buck up, right? And then we would get mad, and because he's not being able to uh, to reach our expectations, and he he just they they just can't do it. So that's that's the hardest part, and that's what happens when they quit. And that's yes. why, you know, there's lots of suicides, lots of homelessness and lots of uh, drug abuse. Right. And that goes back to the thing that you've been talking about is that we ourselves don't yet or at all or sufficiently understand what's going on. So that's to speak, right. in, inside the head of one of these unfortunate young people because they are unfortunate. We're we're just not taught. It's just not in curriculum because, you know, the diagnosis of of FAS, it's relatively new in the medical world, you know. Um, So even though it's in the 70s, right, but even doctors didn't hear about it in the 80s and uh, still I'm not sure about how many medical medical schools even teach that. Social workers... You know, it's becoming more and more uh, explained. But, you know, teachers' colleges, they don't explain it. And they don't explain it. Jeff, I'm I'm going to stop you now because we're going to have to go into the next segment, but we'll come back to some of these points. So let's take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Adderley, and my guest is Jeff Noble. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Ooh, are you happy with just accepting and passing along what the media, politicians, and government are feeding you? Or are you positively sick of it? It's time to get the real facts and form your own decisions. It's time to awaken the sleeper within you. Each week, host Dr. Nick Castellano will uncover various viewpoints and topics designed to inform and present the truth. Today's masses are manipulated by media coverage, and we will not become sheeple. Tune in to Awaken the Sleeper, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Expect the unexpected each week with Extreme Radio, presented by Fitness RX for Men magazine. Exclusive interviews with celebrities, sports stars, comedians, with co-hosts Greg Valentino and Joe Pietaro. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for Extreme Radio. I'm VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jeff Noble. Our topic is home training for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Jeff, now let's talk about the ways in which your training programs help family caregivers who are caring at home for family members and you're helping the family members and the family caregivers overcome the challenges. So first of all, how do your training programs help family caregivers overcome challenges that they experience with their caring for very young children, how do your training programs help them? Jeff? Well, you know this, and I know you say young kids, but this—it's easier to explain it. How does it it help everybody, and how does it help? It doesn't matter what age, because I'm not training, and I'm not coming in and saying here's specific uh, strategies: do this, do this, do this. I don't do that, you know, because I I come from a little different way of thinking and my thinking Gordon is that the caregivers are the experts they know their kids I'm not here to tell them what to do with their kids all my job is to do is to maybe give some insight into why they act the way they do but you're going to see the similar similar uh, behaviors from someone who's two years old to 20 years old of course there's going to be a bit of a scale uh, but the primary characteristics are usually the same right there's Every kid is different, but in a way, they're, they're also similar. So the way that the training works is we help the caregiver gain, the, you know, there's, there's four things that every caregiver has to know. And this is done from uh, some work done by Donna DeBolt and Dorothy Badry at the University of Calgary, and they did a study. And what they found was that caregivers need four things. They need training, they need uh, respite, they need grief and loss work, and they need coaching and support. And when they did the studies and the parents got those four things, the kids did better. The parents did better. And so in, instead of saying, how would this affect, you know, a younger child, just how would this affect the caregiver in general? And so what we do with the training, I mean, with, with the online training is we train them, first of all, because you need training, training, and more training. And then once we train them, we also go through the, the grief and loss with them. And not a lot of people talk about that. And it's so important because families experience so many different losses. And it's different grief than someone who passed away because, you know, eventually you could grieve for that person and go through all those steps. But with someone with fetal alcohol, a, a caregiver is constantly grieving because they're constantly seeing that the, ch- the challenges that their kids are going to have to face over and over. So we go through that stuff, and we'd say it's okay to talk about those losses because, you know, if you, if, if, you know, 
Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross says if we don't somehow mourn our losses, we end up living in the past, regretting the present, and fearing the future. So, you, And that's what a lot of our caregivers are like. So it doesn't matter how old the kids are. We work on filling the caregiver's cup so that they can then in turn take care of their kids. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And what does that tell us then about how soon the kind of training you've been talking about should start in the life of the child, but also in the life of the family caregiver caring for the child? It doesn't matter. It starts as soon as we know. As soon as we know or as soon as we think we know, because the way the training is, is set up is because this is it's, it's, it's brain. You know, it's not just specific fetal alcohol. This is this is brain. So, um, it, it, families need training right away. They need coaching and support right away. Uh, they need to build a team right away uh, because this kid is gonna, the child's gonna need a lot of care and a lot of stuff done. And you know, as the caregiver, they're the like the liaison. They are the the boss. And they should be treated that way, but unfortunately, they're not. And the caregivers are often, because people don't understand, they're often looked at like they're bad parents, and it's their fault, and and so they they're not taken seriously. So my, you know, my the training and the teaching also teaches caregivers how to teach others, how to break down those barriers and break down those walls and get people to have their own, as we call them, aha moments, uh, and, and as you shift that paradigm from believing it's that the kid, you know, is doing it on, from doing it on purpose to, you know, they're not doing it on purpose. They're actually just really hurt. Now let's just carry on with a bit more detail. You use, first of all, um, internet, you know, websites type of training. Yeah. Explain to us how you get across the kind of training you've just been talking about on, how you do that on the internet, if in fact that's what you do do on the internet. Jeff? Yeah, no problem. I'll explain that. It's, it's, it's a multi, multifaceted. So not only, so a caregiver would sign up um, for a register for one of our classes, which, you know, I know this airs at the 7th, but we have a, we're, we're having a deadline, you know, tonight as we speak, but so maybe for the next class. So what happens is people would register for the class and they would get a, an email and a password. And this email and password would open up almost like a portal for them. And inside the portal would house, is, houses all the training modules and, and a bunch of other goodies that we, we give to the caregivers. And that way they're able, and all the modules are released every seven to 10 days. And how we do it is we do it through voice uh, voiceover. So we use, a company called Prezi, so it's kind of like PowerPoint on steroids, and I go through it and I record my voice over while I'm teaching over my computer screen, and I record those and we chunk those down into 10-minute segments uh, because caregivers, um, you know, one thing they don't have is time, so they only have five minutes here, 10 minutes there, so they're able to duck in and out of, of the training. And then at the end of the week, we follow that up with a coaching call where everyone gets onto the phone together, and it's kind of like a radio show where I'll have other guests, uh, uh, you know, other FASD insiders, and we also have a Facebook private group going. And so people are – so this is where we're building community. This is where it's so powerful is when people are engaged and so they can hear my voice, but they can talk to me online if they want. They don't have to <laughs> – you know they don't they don't have to 
you know, uh, uh, call in, but people do, and it's recorded and transcribed, and and, and the expert will, you know, the insider, because I hate that word, expert, the insider will teach them what they know, and a lot of the insiders we have are people living on the spectrum. Uh, and then we also have other insiders that are good with school and uh, occupational therapy and all the difference, because I don't know everything. As much as I'd like to think I do, doctor, I don't. So we bring in other insiders, and that's when, you know, the community gets together once a week for a couple hours, and it's it's super powerful. So we, we do it that way, too. And, of course, I'll give them, like, some homework and, uh, you know, some activities that just help them get into the mindset of brain first. Right. Now, let me just ask you this. Do you have family caregivers who've been through your program, your training, who then turn their hands to helping other family caregivers with your training? Do you work that way? Yes. Well, that's kind of like a byproduct of it uh, because, you know, what happens is when you get trained and and it's logical and it makes sense to people, people start to come to you for the answers, right? You know, uh, because this is logical stuff, you know. We're not talking about rubbing tea tree oil on your on the end of your fingers to get rid of fetal alcohol. You know, we this is very much logical and lots of studies and stuff. So uh, that's that's the way we we approach it. And, and caregivers have gone on to do good things. Uh, I've even have a caregiver who now works for another agency, and she's now a parent mentor. Um, so she goes in and helps other families as well. So it's pretty rewarding. We've we've gotten actually a lot of stories of uh, our parents uh, doing doing really well with their kids. But again, this is not a fairy tale. And so you know, I remember it's been a year since we did the last caregiver kickstart, and I called or talked to all the former participants online, and even if some of them, you know, it wasn't going not terrible at their place, if it wasn't going very well, the caregivers still knew why. So they would say, you know what, oh, things have been hectic, but it's because I haven't taken respite. It's because my expectations were a bit high. So even though, you know, it it wasn't sunshine and rainbows, they still knew why, and they still know what to do. And so that's, you know, it's. I wish I could coach everybody all the time, all day, to, to help them get to that, but the point is we can't. But the good thing is, even for the ones who... uh you know, our raving fans still said, no, but I know what to do and I know how to fix it. Right. Just say a, a, a couple of words about respite. What what does respite actually uh, come yeah, to? Yeah, so respite is relief. It's a break. It's a break from caring from someone with fetal alcohol. Parents will get uh, burnt out and compassion fatigue. These kids, these this population needs, you know, they're like black holes of emotion. They will take and take and take and take because they require, 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 require that much uh, need sometimes. You know, they, they require that much assistance. Uh, so you need to take a break. And, you know, I teach my caregivers that it's um, that taking respite or taking relief uh, is not a luxury, but it's a necessity in, in order to uh, in order to do this. In order to m- make it, it's a survival thing, Gordon. That's that's the thing. And if, in order to survive, you have to take a break. You have to be at your peak because if you're not, then if the, the sooner you get worn down, you're not being able to get ahead of their thinking. They stay one step ahead of their thinking, and things break down, and you're mad, they're mad, and it's all because we didn't take a break. 
So there's there's a lot more to everything that I'm telling you, but the, the, that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. Right. In other words, if you exhaust yourself, you're not able to provide the care that you want to, pro- to provide. You're, you're doing a disservice to your family. Yeah. Now so that's just changing the mindset, right? From uh, from seeing as respite as a necessity to respite as a luxury. Right. That's exactly right. Now we're going to take the break now, and yeah. we're going to talk about more things um, in the um, next and final segment. So let's take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Avery, and my guest is Jeff Noble. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We will be back. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as the show is often hosted by national experts in the fields of leadership, teamwork, management, corporate responsibility, accounting, governance, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be more trustworthy. Your hosts are trusted professionals with years of experience in applying strategies with today's leading organizations. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Jeff Noble. Our topic is home training for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Now, Jeff, let's talk about the things you would like to do or see done to bring more help in the training of family caregivers. So first of all, what more would you like to do to help in the training? Jeff? Yeah, I'm here. 
Yeah. So, so what I would like to see, like moving forward, is that what you're asking? Yes. On you so, personally. Yeah. So what I personally would like to see is just more awareness campaigns that are geared, are, are marketed a bit different. We need to drop this pregnant belly uh, persona uh, that you see so many times on the prevention uh, pamphlets and what I'm sure you've seen a lot of those, right, Doctor? Yes, yes, I have. So what, and the reason why is because, you know, 50% of pregnancies are, are unplanned. And if moms are big like that, you know, and if they are drinking, that's because they got addiction and mental health issues. Or if they're, you, you don't see women with big bellies like that drinking. You just don't see it. Because, you know, a lot of times people are drinking when they don't know they're pregnant. And that's what I would love to see more normal looking women, not pregnant looking women, because that's the problem. It's, it's before you know you're pregnant. You know, and one of the most profound things I've ever learned was that, you know, you talked about the most debilitating uh, diagnosis, doctor, of FAS, right? You know, mm-hmm. so that encompasses all of the brain and all of the face. Do you know that the only way that you can get facial features of fetal alcohol is if uh, mom drank on day 19, 20, and 21 of pregnancy, that's it. That small little window gives the, is what gives the face. If no int- alcohol was introduced, there's no face. And what we know is that uh, the amount of people with fetal alcohol uh, that have the face is less than 10%. So more than 90% of this population look normal and talk normal but act disabled. And so this is what people need to be aware of, is that there's not just bad people. Because I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts, in my soul, that people aren't bad. And if people are doing bad things, well, then, you know, those are on purpose. Those are sociopaths, and that's... Those are few and far between. But for the most part, it's because of brain damage and, and the way we are treating the people with the brain damage. It's right. like we're asking people who are blind, in, uh, you know, to, to, to become race car drivers. And that it's just, it just doesn't work like that. Right. Now, what more would you like to see done by healthcare and social systems to help? Jeff? It's. It, it, this encompasses all systems, recognizing uh, the neurological difference. We need to recognize, and because that's, if, that's why they're in the health system. And, and understand, hey, look, if someone looks normal and talks normal, but they're always coming, you know, if they're, if they're service users over and over and over and over and over again, or if doctors like to use the lingo frequent flyers, then maybe, you know, what we need to do is, 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 is put them somewhere else. Like what we're doing isn't working. Uh, uh, the system doesn't work for this population. Uh, the correction system, you know, we just throw them in jail. There's uh, the old saying that, you know, the boys get locked up and the girls get knocked up, right? Not to be crude, but mm-hmm. that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the truth of it. Uh, and so what we need is just people to, we, and that's, we just need to pe- help people make that paradigm shift. And that's, and that's just, talking with people different, and that's just knowing that this is scary uh, because we're talking about fetal alcohol, and so what does this do? This Now, this alcohol encompasses this, and once we bring this up, then we're opening a whole other can of worms, and, and so people don't want to talk about this because what this means for their family's drinking history, right? Right. 
Now, you're talking about education, and you're talking about education, training for mm. family caregivers. But what about the healthcare and social systems, the people who work, doctors, for example, um, yeah, social workers? Do they question, need more so. education, do you think? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, and I know the, the, the University of Washington will offer free training for for doctors and physicians, but for social work, we, we need to talk about the people who are advocating for these people. You know, a lot of times in my dealings, um, if, you know, if I'm a social worker or if I'm a worker for this young man and I intelligently have a conversation with my doctor, he'll more often than not do what I, uh, do what I mentioned. Does that make sense? That he's like, yeah. you know, so, so, you know, he'll ask a couple of questions, but th- they'll go through it. So we need to train these, the, the frontline workers, um, because the push has to come from bottom up, uh, you know, because things don't dribble top down. You're, you're not going to get an, an executive or, uh, an ED, um, you know, hyped about doing something if you don't, if you don't live with it every day, if you, if it doesn't, if it's not a part of your life just to see how tough it is, or you don't work with these kids every day, it, you know, you're not going to be making the, the best decisions. And so we need to, we need to power, um, you know, we give empower the, the powerless, you know, the ones that right. make the most, the least amount of money that uh, spend the most amount of time usually end up having the less amount of influence. Right, that's the family caregivers. Now, the very last question for you is this. What's your message? What's the message you would like to share with family caregivers when you're saying to them through your slogan, FASD is forever, frustration is not? What's your message, Jeff? My message is this. It may seem very bleak, and it may seem like there's absolutely no hope, and everything you do doesn't work, and everything you try doesn't work, and your family doesn't understand it. Your spouse may not understand it. The school might understand it. The person living with it uh, might not understand it. But we know what to do, and we know what works. And, and because, you know, fetal alcohol is the most researched disability in the DSM, right? So we, we know what to do, and now we're just putting it in practice. And I would also tell them, sorry, it took so long. And that, you know, they're not crazy. It's what they're going through is real. And so we just need to train and we need to educate. And once you're trained and once you're educated, uh, you can educate others and you yourself will have a different outlook and you won't be as frustrated and you won't be as mad. Uh, That's my message because that's the truth. And, you know, I wouldn't be in this business if there wasn't so many uh, success stories. So that's why I tell people, come to my website. I have about 60 success stories. Go right. on my Facebook page where we talk every day about it. Like that, That's my message. So you can only hope things will get better, but you need a good, solid strategy uh, and training in order to really make things better. And that's not only what, uh, you know, that's what my training provides, and that's what needs to happen. Jeff, that's a message of hope, isn't it? It's it's a it's a I call it strategic hope, doctor, because yes. you know hope and and just hope and just you know, love only is not going to make this work. Uh, it's it's strategic hope. Right, very very key thing. Now, unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this um, very informative 
uh, episode of Family Caregivers Unite. And so, Jeff, I'm saying thank you to you, but I'm saying something else as well. And that is, you are doing work that is essential. If then there is going to be uh, an optimistic side for the way in which we understand and care for um, young people, adults, children with FASD. That's what you're doing. You're not claiming to cure the illness because it isn't curable. What you're aiming to do is to make it more bearable, to get people to understand it, to give them support, and to encourage them to keep up their strength by taking breaks, respite, and that kind of thing. So all I, can, all I want to say to you is, Jeff, please keep up this work. It's vital. And if there's anything more I can do to help you through another episode of this show or anything else, I would be proud to do it because of the work you're doing. So I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on the episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be what family caregivers face in the years beyond severe brain injury. Please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.